Now we come into the book of Matthew, the New Testament, and Matthew starts out in verse number, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he goes on to, to list all the, of these men who are listed in the word of God. Why does he do it? Genealogies, how many of you love genealogies? I don't think as many hands are going to go up when you say, who loves genealogy? Why does God put it in the Word of God? Why does he start the book of Matthew with the genealogy? Because he wants to verify that what God has said is coming to pass according and exactly as God has said it. And he brings you all the way down here to verse number 16, where it says, And Jacob begot, don't you love that, and begot and beget? And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. Now, the Word of God makes very clear, Joseph is of the line through which God promised the Messiah, the Christ, would come. And he makes very clear here that Joseph was the husband of Mary. There's no doubt as to whether Joseph was or wasn't the husband of Mary. The Word of God makes that very clear, that Joseph was the husband of Mary, through whom Jesus, uh, who is called Christ, would be born. Now, again, we, we look at the list of names. God keeps records. God keeps books. God keeps details. Now, how many of you know that your name is not in that genealogy list there with, with David, right? You weren't around in those days. But how many of you know God has another book called the Lamb's Book of Life? And he looks through that book. It says in Revelation 21 that no one, no one born in this world can enter into that new Jerusalem where there's no more death, no more dying, no more hunger, no more thirst, no one could walk those streets of gold unless your name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life. How many of you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Hmm? If you don't, then you need to get it in there before the book closes. And how do you do that? You do that by asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior and your Lord. As we read this morning, by his stripes you have been healed. And so we need to make sure that we're, we're not in the genealogy here, but we want to make sure that our name gets into that Lamb's book of life because someday it's going to be opened and read in heaven. And when you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, let me see, Jenny, yes, she's in here. Enter in. Tarina, yeah, she's in here, all right. Enter in. And so there's going to be a book revealed one day in the kingdom of heaven and we're, it's going to be at the, at the door because we're going to want to get in, aren't we? We want to be in there. And if we know that our name is written in there, then we have entrance in to the kingdom of God. And so God in here, he, he makes, he makes clear that Joseph, he's validating the, the fact that Joseph, uh, Christ would come through the line of Joseph. And God wants a lineup of godly men. And fathers, he wants men who are strong, who are bold, who are daring, who are warriors. God doesn't want wimpy little men. God, that's what now God is all about. God wants men who are going to stand up and be a man and say, yeah, Lord, I'm going to be strong and courageous and follow you. Now, as we're going to look at Joseph, 
Joseph was a man who was obedient to the Lord, and he was a man of faith who stood up, not sure where God was taking him, and he walked with the Lord. And so when we walk with God in our in our earthly in this earthly realm, we have to walk with God by faith, trusting in him and believing in him. In Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to to Joseph, uh, it says that he was betrothed. Another word for that is is what they call espousal. And what that means was that before they were married, in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish custom, there was a, a, a period called the espousal period where the parents... You know, Mary and Joseph, uh, they didn't, uh, they, they didn't court one another. They didn't date one another. You know, Joseph didn't call Mary and say, hey, Mary, uh, you want to go out with me tonight? And, you know, they, now they grew up together. They knew each other for many years. And there must have been a connection there. You know, they, they kind of, you know, like love at first sight type thing. But they, there, there was a love between them. But it wasn't up to them for the marriage to take place. It was up to the parents. And during the parents had to agree with each other, and at the time they had to enter, the parents had to enter into a contract with each other declaring that Mary and Joseph would be married. Now they brought Mary and Joseph around and asked them kind of, how do you feel about it? But it wasn't based on their feelings, it was based on whether the parents thought was right. But what happened was they entered into a contract. You know when you want to buy a house? You sit down and you enter into a contract, and it has to be signed by both parties. And once you're committed to that contract, it's, a, it's, it's as good as done. Unless there's something major comes up, then it's going to come through, right? You're bound by that contract. So the espousal period was a period where it was as good as done. They were as good as married, but they couldn't live together. God's word says they were married, husband and wife, even from the time that their parents signed the contract, but they could not live together. They couldn't know each other, but they could, they were, and that period lasted about up to about a year, up no more than a year. Within a year's time, they had to have the wedding ceremony. So they were espoused. They were locked together. Their, their future was, their future was there. That they were husband and wife and that at some point in time after the wedding ceremony, then they could come together, have children, grow a house, grow a family and, and go on their way. But until that time, they had to remain pure and faithful to one another because they were just counted as good as husband and wife even at that period of time. You know, and, uh, so like I say, everything was arranged. So shortly after, shortly after that espousal takes place and, and, and they're, they're considered husband and wife, no sooner is that done than Mary, and we're going to talk about Mary next Sunday, no sooner is that done, Mary zips off to, to Elizabeth's house and she's gone for three months with Elizabeth. And Joseph, you know, how would you feel guys if your wife, you know, if you're, uh, the woman you are about to marry goes off somewhere, for three months, right? Now that happened to me <laughs> when when we before we got married, honey. Remember, she had already made plans to go to uh, Aruba with with her friend, and this was before she met me. And so uh, she had gone off, and 
you know, there's, there's like an aching in your heart that, you know, you want to be with that person. Come on, tell me the truth now. When, when you're not with the person you love, there's an aching and a longing. So, so here, Mary was away from Joseph for three months with Elizabeth. And so she comes back, and lo and behold, three months later, the Bible says she's found to be pregnant. Now, how would you feel if you were Joseph? Man, what's going on here? We just get a spouse. I've known her for years. We get a spouse and she runs off and now she comes back and she's pregnant? Come on, give me a break. What's going on here, Mary? Can I trust you anymore? What's going, you know, and I, I, I bet he probably didn't even give her an opportunity to explain anything. He just like, whoa, pregnant, hey, what, you know, oh man. So now here's Joseph, okay? Just think, put yourself, he's shocked, he's crushed, he feels in his heart betrayed and that's no little thing. That's no little thing for a man to engage with a woman and then her go off and come back and say, hey, by the way, you know, I, I'm, I'm pregnant now. Okay, where you been? What's been going on here, you know? So you imagine what's going through Joseph's mind now. Now, Joseph is a godly man. He's been raised in the faith, and so is Mary. Their, their hearts are towards the Lord. But now here comes a shocker to Joseph. What would you do if you were Joseph? What kind of thoughts would be going through your mind if you were Joseph at this time? So Joseph struggles with this. And now, you know, when you struggle with a, with a, a, a decision like this, it, it brings stress upon yourself. And so Joseph is, is now struggling. Here is a man of God now struggling with a major decision in his life. And what do we do when we struggle with major decisions in our life? Do we, do we, Go to the Lord to get a lot of that stuff off of us so we can make a clear and right choice first. So here he goes and he's trying to make a decision now. He's struggling and he's got options before him. Okay, Lord. All right, now he goes, what are my options? All right, now she's pregnant. All right, what are my options? The first thing that he could think of was maybe uh, have her stoned. Have her Because according to Jewish law, if a woman committed adultery, she could be stoned. If she was found to be in an adultery, she could be stoned to death. So he could probably thought, let stone her. But he couldn't have her stoned because they were under Roman rule. And under Roman rule, that option was now no longer an option. They, he couldn't stone her if he wanted to. You know, how many of you guys would want to stone, your, you know, your wife because she did something wrong or, or, you know, stepped on your toe the wrong way or something? You know, you can't do that. That's not an option in today's society. You know, you can't, you, and, and that's not according to God's economy. Uh, yeah, God's economy. You can't go out stoning your husband or your wife today because, you know, you, you've been hurt or something like that. And he thought, well, the other option he had was to divorce her publicly. And what would that, what would happen if he divorced her publicly? These are things Joseph is struggling with. Well, it'll create a big scandal. You know, everybody will know about it. Mary will be branded as a harlot. But he loved her too much to really want to have that happen to her. And then how's his family going to look? What's it going to do to the family? It's going to put a bad name on the family. So he's looking at all these options, and, and deep down he loves Mary. There's a love in his heart for Mary. So he really don't want to go that route. So he'll worry, right, what, else, what else can I do? Because he was still in love with her. And the other option he had was to divorce her privately, which, according to Deuteronomy chapter 24, it was a very simple process where he can get two or three witnesses, write out a bill 
of divorcement saying that she's set free. She's a free woman to go her own way. She's free of that espousal contract. So this is what he decided to do. Because he still loved Mary. He still had a love in his heart for her. It, you know, he, he, he really did long for her and want her. And he figured this would be the best for everybody. Do we, when there are decisions, do we try to make decisions that are going to be the best for everybody involved? Or do we just want to get back and hurt that person as much as possible? So here Joseph was trying to figure out the, he had to do something. And now he, he figured that the least that he could do would be to pub, divorce her private, uh, divorce her privately. In verse number 19, chapter 1, verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he was a just man. He didn't want to uh, get revenge. He didn't want to go out to hurt Mary, even though he felt hurt in his heart. He didn't want to rise up and, and, and eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He didn't want to go back and strike back at Mary. And sometimes people hurt us and we want to strike back at them. And that's not right. That's not what we should do. We should look to ways to resolve issues and, and to bring peace back. And here, the only options he had at those times was to divorce her privately, other than to go ahead and marry her and and see what, you know, the consequences of that would be. People would be talking that and whatever. So he decided, it says, uh, uh, then Joseph, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So Joseph, after he struggled with all these decisions, what's the best way to handle this problem? You know, how do I handle this difficulty in my life, this thing that really hurts me? What do I do? So he, he's made a decision, and now he goes and he lays down. He's exhausted from all this. You know, you, sometimes when you're trying to make a big decision, your head swims and your heart aches, and, and you get to that point of exhaustion, and he's just out of it now. And it says here, it's at that time when he now has a revelation. It says in verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. How many of you know that God can speak to you even in a dream? God finds ways of speaking to your heart, to reaching into depths of you, to guide you, and to direct you in the right way to go. If we're open to hearing and wanting the Lord. See, Joseph was struggling, and sometimes the situation or the circumstance gets our focus off of the throne of God, of going there for wisdom and understanding and direction, and we try to rationalize everything according to the law, according to what our mind tells us to do, and, and according to his mind, the best thing he could do was to divorce her privately. But in his heart, he didn't want to even do that. And so God speaks to Joseph in a dream, and he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. You see, because although he may have loved her and wanted to, he was afraid. And how many of you know fear can stop us from doing the right thing or moving forward in, in an area that we want to go? So the angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, I know it's in your heart. You love Mary and you want to marry her. Don't be afraid, he says. Don't be afraid to take to take, to take to you Mary, your wife. That's the first thing he tells her. Don't be afraid to take to you Mary as your wife. And he says, for that, he adds to that, now because for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. And it says, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Wow. Can you imagine what, how now this blows away Joseph's mind. Now, first of all, here his wife comes back pregnant, and he's got all these things. But now the angel of God tells him, you're part of the fulfillment of prophecy. The Messiah is coming through Mary. Whoa! Wait a minute. Me? Mary? The Messiah? Think about it. He knew the scriptures. He knew Old Testament. Tell me now, does it, where, where is his, where is he now? His head is swimming. I mean, he's gotta be going, whoa! You gotta be kidding me, Lord. You know, the Messiah? Jesus? You know, and so now, he goes to Mary, and what do you think he's got to say, Mary? He's, I bet you he's got to be on his knees saying, Mary, forgive me. You know, I didn't even take time to ask you what happened. Where, what, what, you know, what, what, what happened to, to, to this, whatever. So now he's, they're there to, they're there together. And so he's, uh, you know, he, he's stunned, you know? And so it says here, verse 25, 24. And he did not, uh, he did not know her that Joseph, being roused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. So what did he do? Once he got that revelation and, and got it, uh, you know, took time to absorb it all, then he says, all right, now don't forget, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, right? Spoke to him. And now he, it's real to Joseph's life. So now Joseph gets up and said, he could say, ah, oh, man, it was just a... Well, this is too good to be true. This is just a dream. I don't believe, you know. He believed it. He knew in his heart that it was the Lord, that it was real. So what were his options now? His options were he's either got to obey the Lord or he's got to walk in disbelief. So he chooses, he obeys the Lord. He wants to walk in faith. So the angel of the Lord told him to take Mary and to what? Marry her. Right? Now, I had people come to me, before I got married to my wife, I had people come to me and say, hey, the Lord told me that, that you're to marry me. And I said, honey, God bless you, but the Lord didn't tell that to me. And this is true. I'm telling you the truth. You know? And so, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, the Lord told me to marry you, you know, you got to, you know, whoa, you know, it's got to be in your spirit first that, that that's true. But here, now, now Joseph, I'm sure he got up and said, Mary, the Lord told me we got to get married. And Mary, I'm sure Mary didn't have any objections to that. She probably said, woohoo, you know, let's do it. So anyway, so now they get up and they get married, you see. And uh, so Joseph said, they, now they have the wedding ceremony. So the espousal period now is over. They go through the wedding ceremony, right? It happens. Now they're, they're that's it. They're husband and wife. But it says that he did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn. So during that period when they were married, she was with child, they didn't come together. They didn't know each other because he knew that God was at work in Mary, bringing forth the Messiah, the Son of, the, the Son of God. And so, you know, the other thing, too, is God doesn't reveal everything all at one time. He just told Joseph, Joseph, marry her. She's bringing forth the Messiah. That's it. Period. He didn't go on to say what was going to come afterward. He just said, marry her. One thing at a time, Joseph. One step at a time. 
marry her. Later on, I'll tell you a little bit more what's going to happen. So here he stacks on faith on what God has told him. And that's what we have to do. One day by day, we have to walk according to what God is showing us and telling us in our heart. We can't look, you know, all of us want the whole picture from God. Lord, come on, show me the movie. How's it end, you know? But God, God brings us one step at a time. He takes us along here. And so now they're married and both of them. You know, and we'll talk about Mary again next week, but she had the revelation from the Spirit, from the angel of God, too. So both of them know that now they're walking in faith. They're believing in God, and they're gonna, they have to live it and walk it. They know that God is bringing forth a plan, a big, a major event here, and they're part of it. And you know, you're part of, you're part of what a major work of God on the face of this earth today. God is working through every one of your lives to accomplish something. And we're, none of us are counted as uh, meaningless or invaluable or uh, without, without a purpose. Joseph had a purpose. Mary had a purpose. Your life has a purpose. God has a plan for your life that he wants to reveal to you and show you, whether it be music ministry, children's church, whatever. Everything is important to God. God has a purpose and a plan for everything. And so we need to do and move out on what God shows each of us to do. If God calls us to go and be a Sunday school te uh, teacher for the children or whatever, we need to step out and do that. And God will lead us onward day by day. And so they were called to walk by faith. Now, from here we want to go. Now the story switches. We gotta, we're going to come back to Matthew, but we're going to go over to the Gospel of Luke now. The Gospel of Luke, Chapter 2. Go with me to the Gospel of Luke, Chapter number 2. And we want to look at verses number 4 to 5. And it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. Well, first of all, it says in verse number 1 that Caesar Augustus put out a creed, and a census took place. And uh, here now, Mary's with child. Joseph has just got these two big things. And now there's a decree comes forth that he has to go. Him and Mary have to travel now 80 to 90 miles, which is a five-day journey. And they gotta go, they gotta travel there. They have to go to, uh, over here to Galilee to the city called Nazareth because he was of the house and the lineage of David and that's where he had to go to get the census done. So here's now David putting Mary on the donkey and he's walking. You know, they didn't have a the limousine, you know, they didn't have a, a four by four to get into or anything like that. He had to get a, they had a donkey. You know what a donkey is. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's no shock absorbers on a donkey. You know that, right? They clod along slowly. And, and, you know, it wasn't no thoroughbreds. So, you know, come on, Mary, I'll race you. Last first one, you know. So he was on a donkey. Mary was on a donkey. And here's Joseph. He's walking 80 or 90 miles for five days now. And, you know, so they're on a journey. And it gives them time to think. You know, now here they are walking along. So, it, you know, David, uh, Joseph wasn't a wimpy guy. He, he's a guy that had to endure an 80, 90 mile journey walking with a pregnant wife. So it takes something. Uh, it takes a man to, 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 to move out and to, and to get out on that road and to walk it. And, uh, but he was probably glad too that they were leaving Nazareth because, you know, Mary was a little, uh, at this time, you know, it's starting to show maybe. And I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of talk. Hey, newlyweds, they were just married, but look at look, you know, hey, well, you know, that didn't happen overnight, you know? So now I'm sure there's a lot of gossip going on in the town. And so I'm sure that they were, I'm being real, I'm being truthful now, the word of God. And so, you know, so 
they were probably glad that they had to get out and now, you know, get out and go, go on that journey. So here they go. Now they're on, they're on the road. They're going on that journey. And, uh, they wind up in, uh, Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem, the means house of bread. House of bread. So God took them to the house of bread. We could say that the church here is the house of bread because the word of God is the bread of life. And this is where we come to get nourished and to get, and to get, uh, true. And this is where the house of bread is where the promises of God are seen to be fulfilled, where birthing takes place. You know, when birthing takes place in and through the church, the house of bread. So God brought them to a place called Bethlehem, the house of bread, where Christ would be born, where the Messiah would be birthed into this life, into the world. And uh, so they, they go, and now here they are in Bethlehem. And now they get to Bethlehem, and in Luke chapter 2, verse number 7, it says that here they are making this big journey. Ah, surely God's going to have a nice hotel for us, you know, a great place to stay. I mean, after all, you know, we got the, he's bearing the Messiah. So what they get there, and all the doors are closed. Now, how would you feel? God brings you somewhere, and it seems like all the doors are closed. You know, was this of God? Did we really hear from God here or what? So all the doors are closed, and they have to go, uh, you know, take a place in a manger, right? And now God has a reason, a reason for everything that he does. And you think Joseph and Mary got angry at God? You think they set up, I can't trust God anymore. Look, she's, my wife is pregnant. Lord, what's the matter? Can't you see? Don't you know? She's carrying the Messiah here. We, we, we deserve the best. But what did God say to her? You know, they didn't say that. But I'm just saying, they were trusting and believing God. And so when we think God always has to give us the best and make the best, greatest way and give us the best room and a, a big suite in the city of Bethlehem, you know, it didn't work that way. God says, no, here's where you're going to stay. Here's where the Messiah is going to be born in the stable, in the in the little manger type scene. Think about it. He's doing all this big journey and, and you know, they gave them time to think, oh, wow, you know, the Messiah. And then they get there and there's no place to go except into where the animals are. And here they stay, right? It says, here they are now. They probably not just, they probably also had to deal with the people. Because, you know, you're knocking at the innkeeper's door and you're saying, Hi, uh, I'm Joseph. I have my wife with me. She's pregnant. We just traveled 80 or 90 miles. Please, can we have a room? Nah, ain't no room here. Sorry. You know, no compassion. No mercy. You know, how if you had a house and someone came to you with a pregnant wife with a long journey, you would probably have compassion and say, oh, we'll find, we'll make a place for you, we'll find. No. And so he's got to deal with the people now. Who cares? Nobody cares that my wife is pregnant. What about people around your life? Maybe they're saying, uh, nobody cares about me. You know, uh, they don't care that I'm hurting. They don't care that I'm this. They don't care. Well, you know, we got to look beyond that and trust God. He cares for our lives. And so we have to walk with God, even when people around us don't care about us. You know, we've, we've got to walk with the Lord. And so here he goes, and they, they go, and they, they, uh, they uh, walk in. And even when we don't understand why things are happening, why there's no room for me, why do I have to stay in the manger? It's times are hard, life is hard, and it takes a man and a woman of God to stand through hard times. Joseph could have just said, been a little wimp and said, I'm out of here. I quit. Forget about this. But he stood firm. It takes 
hard times to bring out the character and, and, and the, the godliness of a man. So even in the hard times of their life, they were, they were, they were following the Lord. Now in Luke chapter number two, verse number 16. Now while they were there, it says, uh, she gave birth while they were there to Jesus. And now here's, here's, here's the baby born in that stable, in that, in that situation. No fancy room, no fancy toys. You know, they didn't have paint to paint the room blue and all this other stuff. And so here's Mary and Joseph now with the baby by themselves in the, in the stable. And they feel all alone. And God, meanwhile, is talking to shepherds in the field. And he's telling them about the birth of the Messiah. And who does he send to Mary and Joseph? But he tells the shepherds to go. And the shepherds walk in to Mary. And what do they do to Mary and Joseph? It says they found Mary and Joseph and the babe in the stable. Joseph stuck by Mary in the hard times. When she was pregnant and brought forth a child and they had nothing there in Bethlehem, he stuck with her. Men, we got to stick with our wives in the hard times. When things get rough, we got to stick with them. Woman, you got to stick with your husband in the hard times of life. When you might not have much or have very little, you got to stick together. It says they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby together. They were family. And no matter what, they were going to stay together. And so there they were, and the shepherds came, and the shepherds encouraged them that what the Lord had said. So that sparked a fire. And what do the shepherds in the house of bread, in the house of the Lord, what are they there for? To encourage you. To encourage you in the things of the Lord, that God raises up shepherds. He brings shepherds forward to be an encouragement. And so when Mary and Joseph thought they were all alone, here come the shepherds to encourage them. Now, in the worldly sense, they were stinky. The shepherds stunk. And sometimes the world doesn't have a good picture or a good view or a good word for about pastors, shepherds. But they're sent by God to be an encouragement to, to even Mary and to Joseph here. And so they had joy. They obeyed God. They had joy even in the midst of those circumstances. Now, in verse number 21... Uh, it says, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the top child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And now when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. You see, Mary and Joseph were, their hearts were after the Lord and to walk in his ways. Uh, that back then, the only thing that they knew was the Old Testament. And they were going to be obedient to the Word of God. And they had to bring Jesus to Jerusalem. So now they had to travel. They had to leave Bethlehem in that manger, that stable. They left there. I want you to understand this. They left. And they went to Jerusalem, to the temple. Okay? And uh, he, because Jesus, <clears throat> there was had to be the purification and... Uh, Verse 23, as it is written of the law, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, that only people who did not have an abundance of finances, if they could not afford a lamb, then they were allowed to get two turtle doves or two pigeons to offer. 
So Joseph wasn't, he, now he didn't have money bags attached to him as they were traveling around. They had very little as they were traveling around. They were walking by faith, believing God to supply for their needs. So when they got to Jerusalem, he didn't have money in his pocket. He had enough to buy two turtle doves or two pigeons to offer. And those were only people who were didn't have much. Those were the provisions God made. Everyone could, most everyone could afford, or everyone could afford a, two turtle doves or two pigeons to offer. And so we see that they offered two tur- a pair of turtle doves or uh, the, the pigeons there. In, in that. And so they obeyed the word of God. See, Christ had to be circumcised. Circumcision means what was done then was, was a symbol that they were set apart for the Lord. And God calls us to be born again, to be water baptized, to walk in with Holy Communion, to be set apart from the, for the Lord's purpose and the Lord's cause. And so, like Joseph and Mary, they wanted to be obedient to the Word of God. They did according to what was written in the Word of God. And to us, circumcision means set apart to follow the Lord, to be born again. And the Bible says that we need to be water baptized as, a, as an outer expression. And so, Joseph, if he was alive today, he would have been born again. He would have been water baptized. He would have been partaking of communion because he wanted to be obedient to the Word of God. And here it says that they also presented him. And the, present, the presentation of the child, the dedication of the child to God, meant that, that, that they were humble enough to say, Lord, I need your help to raise, my, to raise this child. Now, they knew that, according to the word of God, he was the Messiah. So why did they need help? He should help them. But they, were, they knew that they needed to present him according to the word of God. You see, we can't, we can't live our lives outside of what the Word of God directs us, how the Word of God directs us to live our life. And so here, he needed to present him to the Lord, and because we need, we need help in raising our children. How many of you go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to raise my son and raise my daughter? Help me to pray for them, even when they're out of your house. Lord, I, I need to pray for my son and my children. You know, we need to, to go to God to present our children to him to, for help and for guidance in our lives. And it says they gave two turtle doves. They gave out of their lack. And so we can never have an excuse to say, Ah, oh, Lord, I don't have much. I can't give on Sunday. No. Everyone has something to give. And if we give out of a willingness, God honors that and God sees it. Especially when we think we don't have enough to give, that's when God wants to see, will we sacrifice and give? It's easy to give when your pocket is full of money, isn't it? Ah, I'll give a two bucks here. You know, big deal. But when you only have one dollar and you want to give, even if you give ten cents, twenty cents out of that dollar, you're giving out of what little you have, you're honoring the Lord. You're believing God. Father, I'm, I'm going to give according to your word. And so, even Joseph and Mary, Joseph was a man of God who made sure his family walked in obedience to the word of God. Men, are we making sure our families walk in obedience to the word of God? We need to take example from Joseph. And we need to see that our family, our household, our children are walking in the ways of the Lord. You know, Mary was dependent upon Joseph. The Bible tells us, you know, that men 
We need to be the priest, the prophet, and the king of our house, not lording it over our wives, but with love, taking them on the journey of life, the journey with the word of God, according to the word of God. So Joseph was a godly man leading his family, according to the word of God, to doing what was right before the Lord, even though he knew that Jesus was to be the, the Messiah here. And so... They go and they meet in the house of the Lord. Who else does? While they're in Jerusalem, they go into the temple. And who do they meet? Who does Joseph meet in the temple? But they meet Simeon, the prophet of God. And we're going to talk about him in the weeks to come. And Anna. We'll talk about those two later. He meets Simeon and Anna. Where does he meet them? On the road? No. Where does he meet them? Uh, at the uh, at the deli? No. He meets them in the house of the Lord. And when you're in the house of the Lord, there's men and women of God that will speak into your life. And here in the temple, Simeon and Anna are, are, are speaking into the life of, of Mary and Joseph and to Jesus, declaring him to be that whom they were praying for. Do you know people are praying for you, have been praying for you for a long time? And you don't, might not even know that until one day. And so here, Anna and Simeon and Anna, they've been praying for this Messiah for the longest time. And yet here he comes. And so here in the house, in the temple, see, in the house of bread, God birthed something. And here in the temple, he's brought encouragement to them to, to, to know that prophecy is being fulfilled, has been fulfilled. And so it's in the house of the Lord where things begin to happen, where things are spoken to encourage you in your life. And now it says that... <laughs> That's the other thing. Men, we need to bring our household, our families into the house of the Lord because we need to believe that that's where we're going to hear an encouraging word from the Lord. God's word is here to challenge us and to encourage us, not to condemn us and to and to uh, to uh, put us down and make us feel worthless and, and bring out all our faults and wrongdoings and lacks and failures. He's here to take us and challenge us to change and to be encouraged to follow the ways of the Lord in our lives, in our in our households. And here now in, in Luke chapter number 2, verse number 39, and I want you to, to catch this now. 2 verse 39, so when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, get the picture here. They left to go to Bethlehem. They left Bethlehem to go to Jerusalem to fulfill the law. Now, right after Jerusalem, they go to Nazareth. All right? And it says, uh, uh, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. You see, now they were in Nazareth, back where they uh, where they had started from. Now, Joseph had a house in Nazareth. He didn't have one in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, they had no choice but to stay in a manger. In, in Nazareth, they had a home. And it says they returned there after the temple stay. And it says, and the child Jesus, he began to grow. I want you to understand that now. Go with me back to Matthew chapter number 2. They're in Nazareth, in their house. Jesus is growing. And uh, Jesus, Herod sent out when he, remember the, the wise men had gone to Herod and they said, hey, we heard someone was born. Where was this child born? And he said, in Bethlehem. And they followed the star. Remember they followed the star? But the star wasn't over the nativity, over the manger like we think. It was over the house in Nazareth where Jesus was growing. Because Herod sent out a decree when he found out that these wise guys, the wise men, gave him, did him in, didn't, uh, they caught on to his, 
his uh, wicked plan and scheme, and they avoided him. And when he found out about that, he got angry, and he set out a decree that he said, how old should he be by now? And they said, well, he should be two years or less. And so he sent out a decree. Remember, he said, every child that's two years old or younger, go out and kill him, every one of them. Can you imagine the heart of a man to do such a thing like that? He's got to be possessed. You see, with the devil, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What man could send out a decree to have children slaughtered? This isn't God. That's not God's will. That's the work of the enemy, the devil. And so we have to understand, the devil is out to kill your children. He wants nothing more than to see your children cut off from serving and walking with God. But who is greater? The Lord is greater. And when you're walking with God, God shows you ways. He makes ways of escape to keep you safe from all that there. And so he sends out the decree. But here in verse number, uh, what did I say? Matthew chapter 2, now verse number 11. Chapter 2, verse number 11. And it says, and when they had come into the house, what house? The house of Joseph and Mary. It says, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Joseph wasn't around when they walked into the house, when they got there. No, they didn't call ahead of time and say, hey, uh, we're coming with some gifts and presents. We'll be there probably on Wednesday. He, you know, uh, he, you can expect us. There was no messenger service. There was no telephone, cell phones, telegraph. So their arrival was kind of like unexpected and unannounced. And so Mary and, Mary and the baby, the young child, not the baby, the young child are in the house. Joseph is probably out working. You know, guys, we've got to go out and work, right? Most, right? We were out working, and, and, and the woman, she, Mary, was home with, with the baby and she uh, with the young child. I can't say the baby. The young child, right? And, and so here they come in, and it says they fell down and they worshiped before the Lord. They came into the house. And uh, Joseph didn't know that they were coming. So when he got home and seen these guys around, he said, well, what's going on here? You know, and he walks in, and here's these guys worshiping God. But it says that they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. They brought a bundle of, a bunch of gifts, expensive things that they, they provided. You see, Joseph was walking with obedience all these, all this time with the Lord. And what, what little he had, he gave to the Lord, trusting and believing God. Now, was he looking to get rich all of a sudden? No. But what was God's plan? You see, you walk with God. God's plan for your life is better than you think it's going to be. Always better than you think it's going to be. As good as you think it is, God's thinking bigger and better for your life. And so here, Joseph was content to go out and work and do what he had to do. But God, you know, God is Alpha and Omega, first and last, beginning and the end. He sees down the road what's going to, what he knows. He knows all things. Nothing is a surprise to God, you know. But to us, it might seem like a surprise, but not to God. So God knows that they're going to they're need, because of where God is going to bring them, they're going to need finances, serious finances. So what does God do? He brings these guys to, to, to give and to pour out to them abundance of wealth. So now just think of Joseph. Oh, man, hey, Mary, look at this. Now, whoo, look at what we got. Wow, these, we're, I mean, we're blessed. You know, hey, you know, now we can really sit down and raise our family, settle in here and grow Grow our family. We've got a nice house now. we got finances. Uh, we're well off, you know, so now we can, you know, we just, you know, take it easy, relax, and grow the kid here. And so the wise men come into the house, and then in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 13, 
When they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So just that Joseph, he's thinking right now, ah, it's as good as it can get. Ah, I got, right, how could it be any better? We got all this wealth, we got a house, we got a child, we got family around here. All of a sudden it says, the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Just when he thinks, ah, it's, 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 we've arrived. God says, uh, up and out. How many of you know it's not easy to move? It is not easy to move, to pack your bags and to move. Right? And so here it is. Now, Joseph, think about it. Now, here's a man now. All of a sudden, and, and when he thinks he's, he's right there, God says, Joseph, get up. Get the wife and the kid. Get out of here. Get over to Egypt right away. Don't hesitate. Don't think about it. You know, don't go asking everybody, should I, shouldn't I? Do it now. And so sometimes when we hear God speaking to us, we need to act upon it right then. When God tells us to do something, we need to, to get out and to do it. So if, Je- if Joseph had said no, what do you think would have happened? Right? Because he didn't know that jo- he didn't know that the decree was out. God knew it. Joseph didn't know it. So, see, God knows things we don't know. How many of you know God knows things we don't know? He, he sees the big picture. He knows when something is endangering you and he wants to move you from A to B so that you're not affected by that thing that if you don't walk with the Lord, it could come upon you. If he hadn't gone, who knows what would have happened. But he obeyed the Lord. He walked in faith. And Mary had to be in agreement with him too. Well, Joseph, if that's what the Lord said, then let it be. Let's go. And your wife, you got to be in agreement with your husband. If your husband says, honey, we we really got to follow the Lord in this way, then the wives, we need to say, yes, amen, let it be. And so we need to walk in agreement in following the Lord in the ways of the Lord. And uh, here he spoke to Joseph. You know, the Lord could have spoke to Mary, right? Now, but who did the Lord speak to? The man. He spoke to Joseph. He called Joseph. I mean, the angel of the Lord came to Mary when, when she had to know that she had to bear the, the Son of God. But he spoke to Joseph. He spoke to the man of the house to follow the Lord, to hear from God. Men, we need to be sensitive in hearing from the Lord for our families, for our wives, for our children. We need to be men of prayer. We need to be men on our knees before the Lord, asking sensitively, Lord, I need help, direction for my house. Talk to me, speak to me, show me the way to go. What do I need to do? Men, it's our responsibility, like Joseph, to be the man of God who hears from the Lord to direct our households in the way that we should go. Does it mean women can't hear? No, absolutely not. Women can hear from the Lord, and sometimes they hear better than we do. But we've got to learn and take lesson that we need to be sensitive, men of God, to be Hearing the voice of the Lord our God to lead us and to guide us in the way we should go. And so out they go, and they're off on to Egypt now. And uh, then he hears another voice in Matthew chapter 2.19, after they've been there a while, get back and go back to Israel. 
And so as they're on their way back, it says they're warned by God again. He's warned by God again in a dream. Joseph is now sensitive. And I think maybe Joseph might have been afraid to go to bed because he's going to have another dream. You know, I'm going to have to move again. Give me some pills just to keep me awake. You know, so every time he went to bed, he got a dream. Get up and move. Get up and move. Get up and move. You know, and so sometimes we want to say enough already, Lord. You know, come on. You know, i got to keep moving around the face of the earth. So... Joseph, he, he just kept on with the Lord. As it wasn't, you know, it couldn't have been pleasant. It couldn't have been a pleasant thing to get up and to move your family time and time again, right? But Joseph followed the Lord. He, he endured. And that's what God wants us to do, endure with him. No matter what it is, endure. Because we know that God's plan for our life is good and not of evil. He has a future and a hope for us. So why are we afraid to follow the Lord? He has a future and a hope. And that's why he says, pick up and let's follow, Mary. Come on, let's go. Because God has a future and a hope for us. He never leads us wrong. He's always out for our good. And when we understand that, we desire direction from the Lord. We want the Lord to lead our lives because we know he's taking us to a good place with a good plan and a good future and a good hope. And so they go and they go back to Nazareth. And... uh we're going to end with this. In, in Luke chapter number 2, verse number 42, they go back and they're, they're, they're now living in uh, Nazareth and they're growing. Jesus is growing. And uh, chapter number 2, uh, verse number 42, uh, verse 40. Uh, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, see, now they've been living in Nazareth for a while. Jesus is now 12 years old. So now God has kept them stable for quite a period of time here. And Jesus is 12 years old. He's growing. And, and oh, Joseph was continually walking in the ways of the Lord. Every year he went to Jerusalem. And so they were going to Jerusalem with Jesus. And it says, when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposed him to have been in the company that... They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking after him. You see, Joseph's heart was, was oh, my God, you know, where's, where's, where's Jesus? And they had to go look for him. But see, as we grow, as we grow in our walk with the Lord, sometimes we start walking our way and we take our focus off of the Lord and we find ourselves in a place where, where's the Lord? And the Lord was way back here. You see, we need to be seeking the Lord every day of our lives. We can't assume or suppose that the Lord is walking along with us when we're just going our own way. If we take our focus off the Lord, we can wind up in life walking our own way. Now, we might not think it's a bad way. It might seem to us to be a good way. But our, 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 uh, our relationship with, with His Son he lacked in that because he didn't look for him and he, he assumed he was there. And sometimes we assume God is with us and, and we think in our plans or in our things and we're walking our way and then the next thing you know, where's the Lord? Oh, wait a minute. He's way back there. we got to turn around and we got to go back to the Lord and we need to seek him. And when they met with him, you see, uh, it says that he said, don't you know I have to be about my father's business? And then he went on to, to go with them. 
But it's a lesson that we need to learn, that we need to be uh, watchful of our children, where they are, what's going on in their lives. We can't assume that everything is well. We have to be diligent daily on our own lives, our own walk with the Lord. We have to make sure that we're walking with the Lord, that he's not walking with us. You know, the Lord isn't walking with you. Now, this is later on. Jesus is uh, <clears throat> Jesus is uh, grown, and he's in the temple, <clears throat> and he's preaching. Verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding regions, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by you all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Even back then, Jesus was in the synagogue when it was when it was time to be there. God shows up on Sunday. How many of you know he doesn't cease to come into the synagogue, into the house, to teach the word of God? He's still, he's faithful and true. He shows up every Sunday. Whether we show up or not, he shows up into the house of the Lord. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Verse 21. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Verse 22. Here's what I want you to see. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, But isn't this Joseph's son? Can anything supernatural come out of Joseph? Can anything supernatural come out of your life? We can listen to the word of God and believe it, or we can listen to the words of questioning men. Can anything supernatural come out of your life? Yes, because my life is filled with the Spirit of God and with the Word of God. See, it doesn't matter what people say or question about your life. They looked at Joseph and said, could anything come out of Joseph? Anything supernatural come out of Joseph? Can anything supernatural come out of my life? Yes, if you walk with the Lord in obedience as Joseph did, God will work something supernatural through your life. Bible says, for out of us, see, Jesus, he was the word of God pouring forth. And the Bible says, out of you shall flow rivers of living water. The supernatural will flow out of your life. Can anything good come out of Mark's life? Yes. Can anything come out of good out of Brent's life? Yes. Something supernatural, the word of God, the power of God, as we walk with God. It doesn't matter what people say. It matters what God says. If you walk with God in obedience, something supernatural will come forth out of your life. And people will stand amazed, saying, wow, wow. The Lord wants us to be lights in a dark place, to be salt of the earth. He's called us to preach the gospel, to, to lay hands on the sick, to bring the good news to people. Because there's something supernatural in you being birthed, that has been birthed in you, that is growing in you, that is coming forth. Jesus grew, and when he grew, the word came forth. And as God grows in us, it comes forth. The supernatural comes forth from it. And so we got to learn from Joseph. We have to endure with God. 
we got to be sensitive to hear from God, be concerned about our families and our households and our lives. And when we, we, when we don't have, we need to give and sow into the kingdom of God because we can't outgive God. And whenever God calls us to something, he provides. He makes a provision. If God has called you to do something, walk in faith because he'll provide. He'll make the way for you. Follow God. He won't let you down. He'll never disappoint you. We've seen it with Abraham. We've seen it with Joseph of the Old Testament. We've seen it with Joseph in the New Testament. And we'll see with Mary next week how walking with God. And so we see Joseph here. He was a good man who had to endure much, but he did. And he was obedient to God, and the supernatural came forth from him, even when men looked at him and counted him. Men might look at you and say, who, who does he think he is? He's no better than me. He's just a... Even, but God counts you as someone very important. And if your name is inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can rest assured God has got a plan for your life. A mighty plan. Amen.